couple questions uh, as we move uh, into the um, message from his word. The first is this, when was the last time that you prayed? When was the last time that you prayed? Was it just in the last few moments as we shared in the Lord's Supper together? Was it as we sang uh, the great I am? You know, our songs of praise are a form of prayer to God. When was the last time you prayed? Perhaps investigating or being curious about faith is new to you. Maybe you're logged on as a friend of someone today and you're not sure what you're hearing or what this is all about. And uh, so maybe you haven't prayed in the last few moments, but, but when was the last time that you prayed. And here's the second question, where? Where was the last place that you prayed? Now, if you, if you prayed during the Lord's Supper or you, you were singing with us, then, then, then likely this is the last place that you prayed. And if not, where? Where was the last place that you prayed? Are there specific places we should pray and those we should not pray? Are there specific times when we should pray and specific times when we should not pray. When and where have you prayed and when and where should we pray? I link the two together. We looked in the first week of this kind of series about cultivating uh, the discipline of prayer in our lives, that God would cultivate the character of Jesus in our lives. We looked at the what of prayer, that prayer is real and personal communication with the God of the universe. And last week, we looked at the how of prayer, and I link the when and the where together because when and where are always associated together. Whenever something happens, it happens somewhere, right? And wherever something happens, it happened at some time. So when and where kind of go together. And so when and where do we pray? Should we pray? Have we prayed? I remember sharing with you just a few weeks ago um, from Jesus and his words leading up to the Lord's Prayer and the Sermon on the Mount. And I pointed out to you then in verses five, six, seven, and eight of Matthew chapter six that Jesus three different times in four verses uses the phrase, when you pray. When you pray. Uh, there's this assumption that his audience were people who prayed. And, and that assumption is, is, is accurate. You know, Jesus is speaking primarily to, uh, mostly to people who had the same Jewish heritage that he did. And so that Jewish heritage we know from history meant that they were people who prayed day after day at different hours of the day. And so we look back to Daniel, the prophet Daniel, and the prophet Daniel had an occasion where we see that he prayed at certain hours of the day. So we know very, very early in the history of God's people, they had this practice of praying at regular intervals. We can look ahead from the time of Jesus to the book of Acts, and we see that even then the early Christians met in the temple courts at certain hours to pray. And so Jesus is speaking to an audience who knew what it was like to pray. And so likely when they heard Jesus say, when you pray, they're making an association with their current practice of praying at certain times during the day. Uh, we do this with anything we learn. Whenever someone teaches you something, you're doing it right now. You take what you already know and you associate what you're hearing with what you already know. And so as Jesus says, when you pray, their minds are probably going to these hourly prayers, these regular prayers that were part of their day. And then Jesus teaches them something new. When do you pray? When is when? Like, what, when is the right time to pray? 
I can remember having a conversation with my first senior minister I worked with. This is way back in 2000 for me. Uh, for some of you, are like, yeah, I wasn't born yet. For some of you, are like, yeah, you're just a young guy, whatever. But in 2000, uh, I was a youth minister in a church in Kernersville, North Carolina. And I was having a conversation with our senior minister. We had finished a staff meeting, as I recall. I don't remember the whole uh, you know, tenor of the conversation. I just remember this moment of surprise when we're talking about prayer and I shared that I like to pray falling asleep at night. And I can remember the surprise on his face. And he was like, Craig, you, you fall asleep praying? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, don't you remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Like the disciples fell asleep on Jesus praying? Like, are you sure you're supposed to fall asleep praying? And I was like, I'm not really sure those two stories equate. Like Jesus said, stand watch with me in prayer for a specific reason. Like me giving my burdens to God at night and falling asleep doing so, I'm not really sure how those two equate. And I told him that I can't think of anything better at night than falling asleep in the arms of my heavenly father. And I can remember him saying, what? You see, for me, I'm one of those people, maybe you're this way, I have trouble with my mind shutting down at night. Like, I feel like the moment I lay down in bed is when everything just starts just like going crazy. And so for me, I can remember, the earliest I can remember doing this is in sixth grade, my grandmother had died, I couldn't fall asleep, and so I just started talking to God about what I was feeling, and I fell asleep, and I slept well. And so for the last 31 years, almost every night I fall asleep praying. And so I was just kind of sharing that with him. And I just remember his surprise, like, that's when you pray? Like, is that okay? When is when? And where is where? What's okay and what's, what's not okay? If prayer is so important, shouldn't we have those answers? And what I love about the word of God is that God speaks to us so clearly about when and where we're to pray. And before I give you the crystal clear message straight from the word of God, I, I wanna share with you a bit from Jesus' life because not only do we have crystal clear direction through um, those the spirit inspired to write in the word, but the word tells us the stories of people who, who show us how, how we can pray and when we should pray and where we should pray. And I think the best example is always to start with Jesus. And so let's look to Jesus first. There's this beautiful encounter we see with Jesus in Mark chapter one. If you want to know when is when and where is where, in Mark chapter one, I just love how Mark records this so succinctly, but it paints a beautiful picture. Mark says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So when was when for Jesus? Early in the morning while it was still dark? Where was where? A solitary place, a place alone to be with God. And, but it's not the only time we hear about Jesus, when and where. We can turn to Luke chapter six, verse 12, and it tells us that Jesus prayed all night long on a mountainside. The when, all night long, through the wee hours of the night when most of us are sleeping, the where on a mountainside. So, so we have the when is in the morning while it's still dark and all night long. We have the where it can be in a solitary place and it can be on a mountainside, but that's not all we see in Jesus' life. What about the late afternoon? What if we went to Jesus on the cross? We see Jesus in the late afternoon as the sun's going down before the Sabbath begins. 
we see him praying on the cross, quoting from one of the Psalms, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see him praying for the people who are hurting him in the moment, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So, so when for Jesus is not only the early morning or all night long, it's in the late afternoon. The where is not only in a solitary place or on a mountainside, but it's on an executioner's device in a place full of grief and death. Well, what about the evening? Would well, you remember the upper room and, and Jesus gathering his disciples? What John records for us in John 17 where he prays for them? What about the Garden of Gethsemane again in the evening? So we looked at the example of Jesus and these are just a selection and we see that Jesus prays in the morning, he, he prays in the afternoon, he prays at night, he prays all night long, he, he prays on mountaintops and he prays in solitary places and he prays inside buildings and he, he, he prays in a garden and he, he prays on a cross. So when is when and where is where for Jesus? For Jesus, prayer happens whenever and wherever. And if we're honest, that should be enough for us. Like to see Jesus, okay, when should we pray? Where should we pray? Well, Jesus prays whenever and wherever. So we should know it's okay to pray whenever and wherever. Um, but, but a lot of us look to Jesus and we say, I mean, Jesus is incredible, but, but I'm not sure that I can do what Jesus did. You can through the power of God's spirit, first of all. But what I love about the word of God is it gives us the example of people that aren't perfect like Jesus. And if you look to the weight of the evidence and the witness of God's word, you see person after person, men, women, young and old, who show us when and where to pray. When? In crisis. Moses, delivering the people from Egypt, leaves Egypt with these millions of Israelites comes to the edge of the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is pursuing them. It looks like it's gonna be certain slaughter. And what does Moses do? He prays to God for help in crisis. We see people praying for direction. Abraham needs a wife for his son Isaac. And so the servant goes to find a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. And what do we see that servant doing in Genesis? He prays, God, would you, would you show me who it is that's to marry Abraham's son my master's child. When? When you're frustrated. Think of the prophets. Think of Jonah. Think of Jeremiah. Think of Hosea. We see, we see them in communication with the God of the universe. When? When you're angry. Again, go back to Jonah. Like, God, I didn't want to come here because I knew that you were going to, uh, you know, be, be gracious and compassionate and forgive the people of Nineveh. How about in joy and celebration? You can look to the songs of Miriam and Hannah and Mary and David and Solomon and Asaph and the sons of Korah and the Psalms and you see men and women praying with joy and celebration. When? In anguish and grief. Look to the Psalms. Look to the book of Lamentations. Honest cries to God in grief and anguish. When? When you're incarcerated and in prison. Sean shared the story last week of Paul and Silas singing and praising and praying in a prison. 
When? When the ones you love are imprisoned. We see a church gathered in the home of a woman praying when Peter is imprisoned. And the list just goes on and on, and we see this picture collectively that people are able to talk to God whenever. And each of these wins have a corresponding where. You can pray in prisons, you can pray on mountaintops, you can pray in valleys, you can pray near graves, you can pray in your home, you can pray in the temple, you can pray along the road, you can pray when you're eating. When and where? Well, for the disciple of Jesus, we see this picture that we can pray whenever and wherever. There's a sense when we see the story, not only of Jesus, but of God's people, that when it comes to prayer, there is this awareness that that God is everywhere. And just in a moment, I can start talking to him, and he is available, and he is attentive, and he listens. So when we look to the discipline of prayer, and we say, well, when and where should we pray? The answer, quite simply, is whenever and wherever you are, you can pray. And what begins to happen as we see that and accept that is that there's no moment that's outside the scope of God's influence. And we begin to recognize him even in our difficulty as well as in our triumph. So so when is whenever and where is wherever? And quite honestly, this is what the Apostle Paul gets at. I told you I'd share with you a clear place where God speaks of this. There's this letter that Paul writes to um, the Thessalonians, it's called First Thessalonians. If you read in the, the story of the early church in Acts, you see that Paul had kind of a unique relationship with the Thessalonian church. He came to them, he was proclaiming the gospel, they were seeing a lot of change take place, and he really just had a deep affection for them, but because of persecution, he was rushed off before he could kind of finish his work there, and so his heart kind of always longed and had a special place for the people of Thessalonica, and the letter of 1 Thessalonians is deeply encouraging in a number of ways, but he gets to the end of that letter, and here's something he encourages them with. The verse that's going to be on the screen, if you're following along there, is simply pray continually, but I'll put it in the context of other verses. He, he gives this final kind of charge. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Each of these in verses 16, 17, 18 all all occur in the present tense. It's the sense that you need to be doing this now and, and keep doing this. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. But the center verse there is pray continually. Maybe you have heard this verse before and you learned it as pray without ceasing. It means the same thing. Paul is saying, pray, talk to God. And he adds this kind of hyperbolic word where he says, we we need to do it continually. It's a word he uses elsewhere. If you go back to the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, he says in verse two, he says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Paul, Paul is kind of exaggerating to make a point. He's saying, Listen, you mean so much to me, Thessalonians, that that whenever I pray, I pray for you. 
Now, he's not saying that every moment of every day that he continually is just talking to God only about the Thessalonians, but he's making a point about how often he prays for them, how much they mean to him. And the same thing is happening in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. When Paul says pray continually, he's not saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around every day, every moment. Don't sleep. Don't eat. Just keep talking to God out loud every moment. You know, he's saying, I want you to be aware that God is present and to have this life conversation with God where you recognize him and you can call out to him, you can express your deepest hurts, your deepest longings, you can thank him, that it's just this awareness that we're continually in this communication with God, whether it's just an awareness of him being there or it's actually speaking to him. I think we're positioned far greater than, than other times in history to understand this. Uh, I remember being at my parents' home. I don't remember if it was for a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or just a visit. And, and my niece, who was probably seven or eight at the time, comes in with her iPhone. And, and she has got a friend on there from school, but yet she's playing with her dolls and she's talking to us while her friend just kind of goes along for the ride, taking in everything. And every once in a while, my niece would speak to her friend, but, but not very often. She just was, was there. And I remember first thinking that's kind of unusual, but I've heard more recently, especially coming through a pandemic, that some of you would just FaceTime or set up a Google Hangout and, and you would just put a loved one on in the background and you might do your work, you might make dinner. You didn't have to be speaking all the time, but you were just aware that they were there. That's what Paul's getting at, is that we have this awareness that God is present and then we are able to speak to him, that he's always here and with us. When we begin to see that God is with us, just like the people that live among us and we work with, and we can talk to him moment by moment or just be present, it changes us. We come to see our own inadequacy and our dependence upon him, but we recognize him and his availability in each moment. If we as followers of Jesus can come to a place where we pray whenever and wherever, you'll see a strength come to your relationship. And almost as though he's right there on the FaceTime call, just present, and you can speak to him as you have need. What would happen for you if you began recognizing God in every moment? Well, what would happen if you went from praying at meals to, to praying in the car on the way to work? What would happen if you talked out loud to God in the shower? What would happen if before you put the football helmet on, you just said a quick prayer to God saying, thank you for the chance to play this sport. Help me to, to be an athlete that represents you on the field. What would happen if as you lined up to the cross country line, you were able to speak a prayer just knowing that God was there and present with you? What would happen if as you sat in a waiting room, you recognized that he was there and you could either sit next to people and offer to pray for them or if that's, you're not the extrovert, you could just sit where you're at and, and look to people around the room and, and lift them up before the Father, not even knowing what their needs are. What if we began to be a people who prayed whenever and wherever? I can't share with you a strategic plan that will work perfectly for you, but I can invite you into my own world and what's been helpful to me. Um, like I said, the first time I can remember doing this, praying more than meals, was when I was in sixth grade and my grandmother died and I laid in bed and I couldn't sleep. So that was the first time I, I just prayed falling asleep. 
And that gave way to another day doing that, and then another way, another day, and another day. And as I moved through my middle school years, I just kept praying for all those awkward things middle schoolers deal with, right? Uh, body image and whether I fit in and people liked me. And now 31 years later, I pray for the same things, right? But, but, so I would, I would pick a routine part of your day and just speak to God and just let him know that you recognize that he's there and he's present. What's something that you do nearly every single day? And what happened for me after that is that I found that when I would wake up in the morning, over time I was thinking about him more. And so I started praying before I ever got out of bed. And I'm not talking about 15, 20 minutes. Like don't picture like me in a robe on my knees beside my bed. I'm not talking about just opening up my eyes and saying, God, thank you for this day. And if there was a burden on my heart, if there was an anxiety that I was carrying, I would just say, God, I need your help with this. I need you to order my steps today. And what happened over time is that I went from praying as I went to sleep and praying as I woke up to now often I wake up during the night and uh, I've prayed for many of you by name in the middle of the night because God brings you to mind and it doesn't interrupt my sleep. It doesn't make my sleep any worse. It just, it just keeps me in this conversation with the Father. At some point, I don't know when, I, I was like, God, what if I seized my drives to work? And so whenever I would drive in a car by myself, I, I would pray or I would turn on worship music. And what's created is this kind of life conversation with God, but it just came by seizing something routine after something routine and just inviting God and recognizing that he was there in the midst of that. And the beauty of it is, is now I can stand on a softball field on a Sunday afternoon in the summer and I can look up to the skies and say, thank you, God, for the chance to play softball. I, I, can, I, can, I can be on a golf course and thank him for a beautiful morning. I can ask him as I roll up to the golf course, God, help me find a way to serve someone today. And what begins to happen is it begins to be a life conversation with God. And what God does in the midst of that is it begins to shape me to be more like his son because I'm aware that he is there. And so my encouragement to you is to start talking to God whenever and wherever and see how that relationship grows. See how it grows if you walk into school and you say, God, I, I'm worried about this test. Help me with that. If you walk into school, I need to teach these kids today. God, help me with this. Or God, God I want to honor you in the classroom today. See, see how it transforms things for you. It, it will. There are some moments, though, that we encounter that we struggle to find words and to know what to pray. And so I want to encourage you with a tool that I have found super helpful. There are many that have gone before us in faith. And for some of them, we have their prayers. And so there's a benefit at times to praying the prayers of others. We do it with the, the prayers in Scripture. But there are other resources. We have the Book of Common Prayer. Um, there are a couple new ones that are out that I wanted to share with you today. Um, I found great help in these two resources, a two-volume work called Every Moment Holy. And the beauty of it is this, this team has gone to work and found situations in life that sometimes we either miss because they seem too casual or too mundane, and they give us the chance, to, if we want to, uh, to pray prayers. Here's some prayers that are in this um, Prayers for laundering, not, not money laundering, but prayers for when you do the laundry, for the preparation of the meal, for home repairs, for the changing of diapers, prayer one, and the changing of diapers, prayer two. I don't know if that's for number one and number two, or if that's because they just need two prayers. Prayers for arriving at the ocean, prayers for sunsets, prayers for the welcoming of a new pet, prayer for marking birthdays, 
prayer for the ritual of morning coffee. This is a prayer that I actually purchased from them and I gave to some of our staff who like coffee because there's just something about saying, okay, God, this is a new day. As I look to this coffee to hopefully wake me up, God, may I be awake to what you're doing in this world. So it's about just seizing moments. And so for some of you, this might be a great resource in that it gives um, words to some moments in your day that helps you invite God and recognize him in every moment. There are a number of others in there. Um, I've been particularly drawn to the second work lately. Uh, It's on death, grief, and hope. Because I find that when I face death and grief, that's when my words fall short the most. And I need help with words. And, and I love the prayers in this book. I've not read them all, but I've found some incredibly helpful. But just to give you an idea, there's prayers when the news is bad, prayers before medical treatment, prayers for dying well, prayers for releasing ambitions and embracing Christ, prayers to stir courage in a child who's facing death, prayers for one who lingers in a long dying, think of hospice care, Prayers for lamenting the passing of a public figure. A prayer for those who have suffered a miscarriage or stillbirth. One of the things that Audrey and I have been just struck by in in our almost six years here now is that how many people that are a part of the Lebanon Christian Church community who have experienced the death of a child in the womb. And there's just a large group of people here that have experienced that. And I'm telling you, this prayer is so so beautiful and helpful, even years later, if that's you. In fact, the prayer is available for free. You don't even have to buy the book. You can go to the website, Every Moment Holy. I think it's forward slash liturgies. There's a download link at the top, and they'll actually let you download that prayer for free among some others. I actually sent some of these prayers to uh, a woman in our church who recently lost her husband. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have two um, families in our church um, who've been parts of Lebanon Christian Church for a number of years, Um, two women who have lost husbands really young in the last uh, week and couple days. And if you've walked that road, you know how hard it is. And so there are prayers here that help give words to what you so desperately want to say. Here's what I'm hoping to stir you with, is that as you see Jesus, as you see the example in Scripture, as we ask the question, when should I pray and where should I pray, the answer is whenever and wherever you are. And as you do so, God God sharpens you and he helps you grow to trust him and to see him at work. And so my invitation to you is to pray, to pray whenever and to pray wherever. And the risk that some of you may think that I'm minimizing intentional times of prayer, I'm not. We see in Jesus that while it was still early, dark in the morning, he went off to a solitary place, but he had an intentional plan. There are times when we need to schedule intentional periods of prayer. It's just like we do with other relationships. Like, like we, we go through most of our days, you know, they're off to work, they're off to school, we're off to the grocery store, and we say our highs and our goodbyes and our how are yous. But we know that for any relationship to thrive, we have to intentionally have intentional time together. And so we should do that with God as well. And as we do, we, again, recognize him and his presence around us and among us and in us. And so when is when? It's whenever. And where is where? It's wherever. And so you may, may you be a person who prays whenever and wherever you are. Let's talk to him now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. 
God, we're so deeply thankful that you are here. As disciples, you're in us through your spirit, and if we're not yet disciples of yours, you're still around us, and we're grateful. God, thank you for inviting us to speak with you, and thank you for as we speak, as we speak to you, as we listen to you, as we converse with you, how you strengthen us, how you uphold us, how you, how you birth resilience in us, how you shepherd us, as you, how you calm us, how you guide us. And God, may we be a people who praise, knowing who you are and how you move and how you work and how you love. May you be honored and praised in this place. Amen.